0: Hello, loyal listeners. Tropic Cyclone here. I'm back, but you've probably figured that out already. Well, more than a go this time, really. Hmm. So, I'm going to have to address this whole Cavalier, i.e. Brent Ballard versus Cavalier Prime thing, aren't I? I know I am, since Colonel Creed just won't leave the subject alone. Oh, yeah, that's right. I found him. Not that it was hard, given his really extreme attempts to drown himself kittens that aside if one's asking me to weigh in i had to do something to try and figure out which was the real cavalier right right so so since that cruise ship thing didn't work out for me so well the first time hence our introduction to one another listeners i decided to have another go at it especially since granddad's currently distracted so i was able to borrow one of his little pets without him noticing And let's face it, I don't get to play with the Kraken very much. Well, Cavalier Prime didn't show up to stop me this time, but Brent Ballard the Cavalier did. Okay, this is getting really tedious, isn't it? From now on, we're just calling the one calling himself Cavalier Prime Prime. Which, granted, is even stupider a name than the Cavalier, and probably gives him the edge on the real one. In fact, I'll go out now and say he is the real one, because really, it was not at all hard to beat the heck out of Brent Ballard. And the real Cavalier, i.e. Prime, much, much harder to beat up that badly, although beating up someone that looks a lot like him was kind of fun. So yes, for anyone who is interested in my opinion as the Cavalier's arch-nemesis, Prime's the real deal, much as I hate giving him his due. Also, where the heck is Sid? Not that I care. Frankly, a world that robohorse creepy-robo-horse-free is a better world, in my opinion. Also, just so Prime knows, I didn't hurt Ballard badly. Although it would have been so easy. and am kind of satisfying. And to Ballard, just for the record, trying to use two of your little minions and yourself in an attempt to drown me is both A. Poor sport, and B. Probably the singular most ineffective attack in the history of ever. Have you not been paying attention? Well, clearly not, cause the cavalier, the real one, he tends to hold a grudge. That said, I guess we're on to listener mail. Jade Phoenix would apparently like me to know that magic ninjas are totally a thing, and my attitude in the last podcast was both dismissive and uncalled for. We'll go ahead and add this to Colonel Creed informing me that I am misguided and I should remember that words can hurt. Jade Phoenix would also point out that as a lot of my power tends to be magic-based as well, I should really be less dismissive. Let me just say, Jade Phoenix, if you really, really believe that your magic ninja powers qualifies you to punch in the heavyweight division, bring it. And I think that about sums things up for this week. Let's move on to our movie reviews, shall we? Since last podcast's reviews were so, so painful, I decided that this week I wanted to increase my odds of watching something that wasn't terrible. At least some of you who have been following our podcast have probably noticed a pattern in our reviews. I noticed it as well. And that is why this week, for our first feature, I picked an animated feature, since almost none of those have been actively terrible. So our first movie for this week is Despicable Me. Its main character, Gru, is a supervillain. The movie opens with the world discovering that the Grand Pyramid of Giza is missing. It was not stolen by Gru, although everyone who knows him seems to assume that it was him. He decides he has to do better and comes up with a plot to steal the moon. But stealing the moon is an expensive proposition and he can't seem to get a loan from the bank of evil. I wish there was really a bank of evil that would be so more convenient. Anyway, so the bank tells him he can only get the moon if he can obtain the necessary shrink ray, necessary for his plan, that is, first. Shrink rays are cool. The little elephant was adorable. I want a shrink ray probably beyond my tech capabilities though, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to go horribly wrong, both in real life and in this movie. So think twice before you actually build a shrink ray, no matter how cute tiny elephants are. Gru manages to get his minions, who are also adorable, and steal the shrink ray from the scientists who have built it. But an up and coming villain named Vector, who had stolen the pyramid, shows up and steals the shrink ray from Gru. Grew attempts to break into Vector's base to get the shrink ray back, but Vector's base is pretty well defended, and that doesn't work out for him. However, he notices that three orphan girls who have been selling cookies are easily able to get in because, well, who doesn't love cookies? Gru then disguises himself as a dentist and adopts the girls, planning to use them to infiltrate Vector's base. However, Grew not an ideal parent, let's face it, villains rarely are. We tend to be a little self-centered. Eventually, Gru gets the Cookie Robots, which are also adorable! I'm telling you, this movie is the cutest! Anyway, Cookie Robots gets the girls, gets into Vectors, and gets the Shrink Ray. The girls then want to go to an amusement park, and Gru agrees, thinking he can abandon them there. But he is told by an attendant that they must be accompanied by an adult. He then gets dragged around the theme park for the day, and starts bonding with the girls. Then Gru contacts the bank saying he's got the shrink ray and can get on with the moon thing if they give him the money. His meeting gets interrupted by the girls and the bank says they've lost confidence in Gru and won't fund his operations. Grew tells his minions bad news and the minions and the girls offer Gru the contents of their piggy banks to fund the plan. Grew inspired, sacrifices parts of his lair, and they build the spacecraft so that they can, you know, get this moon thing done. Grew's plan to steal the moon winds up being on the same day as the girls' ballet recital, which they really want him to attend. And his partner, Dr. Nefario, gets worried that he's conflicted about which is more important, stealing the moon or attending the ballet recital. So Dr. Nefario calls the orphanage to return the girls. Meanwhile, we get a cut for to the bank, where the bank manager informs Vector, who it turns out is his son, that Gruw has stolen the shrink ray from him, and is going to steal the moon. Gru successfully shrinks and steals the moon, and doesn't make it to the ballet recital. The girls are hurt. He does show up late and finds a note from Vector saying he's kidnapped the girls and will exchange the moon from them. Gruw gets all villain ragey, goes after Vector, and makes the trade but Vector reneges on the deal, flying off with both the girls and the moon. Now Gru gets super ragey, which is when villains are really at our best. Meanwhile, Dr. Nefario discovers the effects of the shrink ray are temporary, and things grow again. The bigger they are, the faster they regrow. See, I told you this whole shrink ray thing was going to go wrong. The moon starts to expand inside of Vector's ship. Gru, Dr. Nefario, and the minions pull off a daring mid-air rescue and get the girls off just as the moon explodes out of Vector's ship and launches itself back into orbit, which is not what I think the moon would do. I think we're looking at worldwide cataclysm there, but it's a cartoon, so I'll lay off on that. Vector is still trapped on the moon. Again, also, I'm pretty sure if this is not a cartoon, that's a lot bloodier scene, but it is rated G, so again, I'm just going to let that go. Gru then adopts the girls for realsies, and treats them as his daughters, and even starts reading them bedtime stories. The movie ends with the girls performing their own ballet recital just for Gru, his mom, and the minions. Again, in case my use of the word adorable, which I'm kind of embarrassed about, didn't clue you in, I really liked this movie. There was growth, there was an actual plot, and there was lots of cute. So I'm going to say absolutely watch Despicable Me if you're in the mood for something light and fun, and want to pretend that you never watched Daredevil and Elektra. Seriously, don't watch them. However, since I can't avoid terrible movies forever, and The Cavalier took the most recent Spider-Man hit, I went back to 2002, and what I think is the first Spider-Man movie? There might be an earlier one, we'll have to look into that. So the movie opens up with dorky high school kid Peter Parker. We get to meet his friends. We get to meet his Aunt May, who is apparently raising him, and his Uncle Ben, and the girl he's pining after who is named Mary Jane and apparently lives next door. This movie spends a lot of time getting to know Peter and the people around him. It's really not very interesting. Finally, he and his schoolmates visit a genetics lab where he is bitten by an altered spider. We all know how this goes, right? We don't actually need to spend 40 minutes watching Peter slowly discover his spider powers. Well, apparently we do as far as the filmmakers are concerned, but we really don't. I'll just skip over all that. Anyway, Peter starts trying to figure out how to make a profit off his powers, which is a refreshing change for some of these heroes. He lies to his uncle about being at the library instead of a wrestling match where he's using his powers to make some dough. The wrestling promoter rips him off and then gets robbed at gunpoint. Peter has the opportunity to stop the assailant, doesn't. He escapes, carjacks Uncle Ben, and kills him. Now Peter is all sad and determined to use his powers for good, Meanwhile, his best friend's dad, Harry osborne wait, best friend Harry or Norman? All right. Meanwhile, his best friend's dad, Norman Osborne, is experimenting with some sort of super serum or I, I'm not really sure what's going on there. It doesn't matter. We all know he's going to inject the serum and become a supervillain with, you know, nifty military tech toys, right? We know this. And he does. And the movie dances around the fact that Peter and Norman, his best friend's dad, remember, have been fighting each other with neither of them knowing that the other one is Spider-Man or the Green Goblin, respectively. Although Norman is the Green Goblin is really fun. Eventually, over Thanksgiving dinner, both of them put it together, and then things turn really serious. Norman, Green Goblin, attacks Peter's home, injures Aunt May, and kidnaps Mary Jane. Which is, again, I'm gonna say, kind of poor form. But whatever. He sets up the typical situation where the hero has to choose to rescue either his loved one or a large group of strangers. As is common in movies, Spider Man manages both. They have a knockdown, drag out fight in an abandoned building, and the goblin winds up impaled by his own attempt to murder Spider Man. Spider Man takes the body back to Osborne's house, where his best friend, remember Harry, sees Spider Man with his dad's body and jumps to the obvious but incorrect conclusion. At Norman's funeral, Harry vows to Peter that he will extract revenge on Spider-Man, not knowing that he is, in fact, Spider-Man. And that's pretty much the end of this movie. I'm going to put this one in the not bad category. There are places where it definitely drags, particularly the beginning, but overall it holds up okay, and I didn't hate it. So, yeah, thumbs up on Spider-Man from 2002. We'll see how we feel about the sequels in upcoming podcasts. I'm sure they'll be awesome, right? That worked out so well for me with Batman. Now, since we did tackle Daredevil the series a little bit, um, the Cavalier plans... Oh, wait, God, Prime now, right? Prime? Plans on doing that more later, and don't worry, I'll be adding my two cents. I did watch a trailer for an upcoming superhero TV show, It was Supergirl. You'll remember I watched that movie a while back and was kind of upset about how incredibly sexist the filmmakers were. Well, some, what, 30 years later? Previews for the TV series do not indicate things have gotten better. So yeah, we probably won't be covering that one, if we're covering TV shows at all. And we haven't really heard Back from you guys on that one. So stick around for Demographics Watch, and then I'll tell you how to get a hold of us so you can tell us whether we should be covering TV series and which ones. Despicable Me didn't really have any heroes, which was a refreshing change for us, but we do get to add two white males to the villain category. Spider-Man gave us yet more white males, this time one in the hero category and one in the villain category. That's going to bring our totals up to heroes. 52 white males, 12 white females, 6 Asian males, 1 Asian female, 7 black males, 3 black females, 1 Maori male, 1 Hispanic male, and a Native American male and female. For villains were up to 39 white males, 11 white females, 7 Asian males, 2 Asian females, 2 black males, 1 black female, two Hispanic females, and one Native American male. Okay, give us some opinions on that TV show thing. You can do that by commenting on Facebook, on our blog at superfrenemies.com. You can email Prime at Cavalier at superfrenemies.com. Hmm, maybe I should change that. Nah, we'll leave it. You can email me at Tropiccyclone at superfrenemies.com. You can comment on SoundCloud or review us on iTunes. Until next time.